welcome to Without the Footnotes, Not Your Typical Holocaust Lecture, with me, your host, Estherini. On this week's episode, I'll be explaining what the Holocaust is. Hi friends and welcome to episode two of Without the Footnotes, Not Your Typical Holocaust Lecture. Hope everybody out there is doing okay. Um, it's a bit of a weird time at the moment. If you're listening in real time, I feel like a lot of people are either going into a new kind of lockdown 2.0 or maybe you're in part of the world where you're only just coming out of um, of one to my friends down under. Um, yeah, I know you've been on lockdown for quite a long time now. Um, all I can say is it's crazy, but we've got this. We've been through it once and... I don't know, maybe I can keep you company through some of it. I mean, who would have thought that the Holocaust and genocide could be a welcome distraction to living through a pandemic? Like we're literally living through history at the moment and I've decided to release this podcast. But I really hope that, um, I mean, I've got great feedback from people, friends and family who have listened already. So I hope that it just... It only gets better and only provides some kind of escapism for you. Going back to the response from last week's episode, I actually had um, some great conversations with people um, just reaching out and telling me what they'd learned and what they found interesting. So I can only encourage people to either engage with Facebook or Instagram or message me, send me an email. Um, if you just want to have a chat, if you want to go over something more in depth, um, yeah, without the footnotes is here to provide that space for conversation. Um, on that note, I do, I can't, I don't think I did properly explain last week what this first series of podcasts is going to cover. So today I'm going to go over and um, I'll be explaining what the Holocaust is. And this will be like a general overview of the genocide. And then from episode three onwards, I'm going to be taking a deeper dive into explaining that further so like how the holocaust happened who were the key players um who were who were the victims who were the other victims outside of the holocaust of the nazi regime um how was how was the holocaust implemented what happened post holocaust so yeah today's today's episode is purely an a uh, general o- overview so don't be disheart- disheartened if i don't go super in-depth into exactly what happened this is just so that you have like a a basis to go off of and then over the the course of the series it will get much more detailed and provide you with a more comprehensive understanding of the holocaust itself so with all of that being said I don't know if you can tell but I'm pretty tired today don't ask me why because it's just Monday and I've just had the weekend off but yeah I'm I'm feeling it for some reason (laughs) um so I'm going to stop talking and yeah let's get on with the second episode
Okay, I'm all settled in. I hope you are too. I just had to draw the curtains so the neighbours can't see me and I grabbed my dressing gown because I want to be cosy today. Just one of those days. Um, So the Holocaust. So the meaning, the definition of the word Holocaust means um, sacrifice by fire. It's also known in Hebrew as the Shoah, the disaster or catastrophe. And the Holocaust was a genocide perpetrated by the Nazi regime and its collaborators um, between I I look at it as from 1933 till 1941 were the years of persecution. So if we think back to um, the definitions, the definition of genocide last week and the, the key stages that that go into genocide um, within the within those years, you can see how policies against the Jew uh, against Jewish people changed, how they were singled out, how they how the um the Jewish people were uh racialized um how restrictions would come in to make them to other them from the rest of society so from 1933 to 41 I would call that the years of persecution and then from 1941 to 1945 um classified as the years of extermination um and the policy that the Nazis used for this genocide and specifically the years of extermination was called the final solution or the final solution to the Jewish question, which I am guessing that many of you have heard that terminology before. Um, and the final solution is classified as um, the killing of approximately six million European Jews um, who were murdered by the Nazi regime and its collaborators. And this actually constituted around two thirds of the entire population of European Jewry at that time. So prior to this, there was around nine million Jews in Europe, which if you think on on that scale is absolutely staggering that two in three Jewish people who were alive at this time were murdered now there is a lot of debate around when the official decision was taken to systematically murder european jews and actually it's quite generally accepted that this process of making this decision was quite a prolonged and um, incremental process but what we do know is that after the vanzi conference in January January 20th of 1942 we start seeing um, the Vanzi conference by the way was a meeting of senior government officials of Nazi Germany and um, SS leaders and after this conference we see a more systematic approach to killing is put into action and there's also a lot of documentation that comes around like a correspondence between um leaders of how to to implement the final solution and we also have this quite infamous document that outlines the geographical location and population sizes of jews across across europe i think maybe it's even further than europe also um and that I think you're I think you are able to just if you Google that you can you can find that document and take a look at it. Um, so after yeah, so th- this is a kind of a turning it's thought of as a turning point. So January of 1942 of of the the genocide becoming more systematic. Um, so. Prior to this. 
Jewish people were subjected by the Nazi regime to be interned in concentration camps. And we probably all have an idea of what concentration camps are, and it probably summons up quite a lot of imagery. But the actual function prior to um, the policy of extermination was to detain real and imagined political and ideological opponents of the Nazi regime. So anybody who went against the Nazi ideal or um, the politics of the party and Jewish people were very much, um, predominantly um, Jewish men in the beginning, were kind of rounded up and, and interned in concentration camps um, as opponents of the regime. Um, so it's important to note that there were, of course, other victims of the Nazi regime, but I, I don't actually speak about them here because in terms of understanding what the Holocaust is, it's the the genocide against European Jewry. However, um, it should be understood that during this era, German like um, Nazi German like authorities also targeted other groups b- because of their um, racial inferiority in their eyes. Um, for example, the Roma and the Sinti, um, the disabled, um, Poles, Russians, and many other groups were um, were persecuted by the regime um communists socialists jehovah's witnesses homosexuals and i will go in i will on an episode like go into a deeper um explanation of the the crimes perpetrated against these groups and and why that happened but just for the purpose of this episode the holocaust in my understanding, is the the genocide against European Jewry. So that's why I'm not focusing on those groups today. Um, so as I said, before the period of extermination, um, Jewish people were concentrated and interned in concentration camps. And these camps actually helped later on to facilitate um, deportation of Jews um, largely to the East um, to ghettos or to transit camps, to forced labour camps and to um, and to extermination camps also. Um, and this would happen during the war years, so during between 1939 and 1945. So the period of extermination was actually carried out in two major operations. And firstly, we had, um, this was following the eva- invasion of the Soviet Union in June of 1945, 1941 we have the Einsatzgruppen which were mobile killing units or death squads as they are also known so they're responsible for the mass murder of people primarily through shooting them so what they would do is go into specific areas and round up all the Jewish people in that area and then a police battalion would then shoot the civilians and usually um, into a mass grave and one of the most infamous um, of these massacres is Babi Yar, B-A-B-I, um, Y-A-R and over two days um, around 30,000 Jewish people were shot and killed. Um, so it's estimated that between 1941 and 1945, the Einsatzgruppen were responsible for the killing of over a million um, people 
so that's also known as the holocaust by bullets um so yeah just a huge huge amount of people um that were intimately shot by police battalions and then the second wave of extermination was actually um in the extermination camps that we've probably come to know also so you had Chelmno, Belzec, Sobibor, Treblinka, Majdanek and Auschwitz-Birkenau um, and all of these camps were in um, Nazi-occupied Poland and Auschwitz and Majdanek were death camps but they were also used as um, like slave labour labor camps as well but all the other places were purely death camps like purely just to used to exterminate people um and within these camps about two-thirds of the overall number of victims of the final solution were killed and this all happened before february of 1943 so the really intense part of the genocide actually occurred in a very short amount of time um, and also during this people you did uh, during this period you did have Jewish people who were interned in camps. I mean, it was a huge network of of concentration, slave labor, and death camps. Um, but I will go into that in a different episode of how the Holocaust actually happened in terms of that extermination process in a later episode. But yeah, so we can un- actually understand that even though there was a um, there was perpetration against um, European Jews pretty much from 1933 onwards until the end of the war in 1945, the actual period of extermination is very short. So it's between... 1941 and 1943 and the the efficiency that we understand came from these death camps and I think it's Treblinka that um I think it's almost almost a million people were were murdered at Treblinka um 800,000 to a million I'm pretty sure um so yes of course Jewish people were also interned in interned in camps and kept for forced labor um but these weren't you know these these camps weren't designed for people to survive them so they were quite often worked to death murdered or beat to death um starved so these were this was very much like an oppressive genocidal system now it is important to note that towards the end of the war so when the allied forces allied forces were moving across europe and they were beginning to encounter and liberate these camps um the majority of the extermination had already been implemented and also um the regime actually took prisoners out of these camps and forced them onto death marches so even in impending defeat the regime was was um, intent on taking these um, victims with them and forcing them on marches that they also were not meant to survive. So these marches actually continued on until um, until Germany surrendered to the Allies, and 
After that, many people were interned in DP camps, so displaced person camps that were administrated by the Allies. And that, I think the last camp, the last displaced person camp actually closed in 1957. So overall, from from the beginning of the persecution to the end, um, the crimes that were committed during the Holocaust devastated most of European Jewry. So it was actually quite a successful genocide. Across Europe, there are entire com- communities that were com- completely decimated. Um, so communities where absolutely nobody survived. Um, yeah, and if we go back to that statistic of two in three Jewish people within Europe at that time were murdered, it's actually quite gobsmacking to to think what that means for humanity as a whole to lose not only six million people, but the complete destruction and decimation of entire communities and what they would have contributed. So... Yeah, that was my brief overview of the Holocaust. I hope that wasn't too heavy. It's quite it's quite intense going into it. Um, but I hope listening to it, it doesn't. I hope I gave you just like a kind of general overview of what the Holocaust is. So my actual call to action for this week um, would be to follow the Wiener Library, um, which is actually located in London, in Russell Square. Um, I know people are on lockdown, but maybe you can keep it in mind for when things start reopening because you can actually visit the library for free. They also do free tours around the library. Um, And it's the world's oldest institution that's devoted to the study of the Holocaust. So it's actually founded in 1933. Um, And I would encourage you to go onto their website and actually have a look at their events section on there because usually they run um, like seminars or events actually in the library, but they're doing this online now. And um, I used to go there quite a lot. And I've I've also not that long ago um, signed up for a a lecture on genocide and kind of where genocide studies is going currently and it's all free I think um you all you have to do is just register so as long as I mean is zoom can you have as many people as you want in zoom I don't know but um yeah you just have to have a look through their events and then just sign up to it if you're interested in in any of them and yeah amazing access to um, learning about the Holocaust and it's very diverse like I've been to documentary viewings I've been to um, events where people have president um, have presented their PhD um, what are they called papers <laughs> their PhD thesis um, also like survivors have come and spoken um, scholars and um, people who've written books so yeah I would encourage you to go on there and see if there's anything that interests you basically um you can also follow them on social media I actually follow them on Instagram so um I'm not sure how much they actually post I don't see a lot from them but maybe that will keep you like more up to date with the events and when to register for them and I know last week I did and in the news section but this week I 
I'm not actually going to focus on any one article in particular because if you put the Holocaust into Google and then click on the news section, you will see why. There are countless articles daily um, related to the topic of the Holocaust somehow, whether that's Germany paying some kind of reparations or helping survivors through the corona crisis or a survivor has a new um, memoir coming out um it's just it is endless so I would encourage you to maybe have a look at what's in the news maybe specifically in your own country um that's related to the topic at the moment so that you can see how this this topic is very much a contemporary issue and what kind of what's what's out there basically and what people are talking about at the moment in relation to it um and then yeah oh I did have some news so I got some some good feedback from a couple of listeners saying that they really liked the recommended reading um section from last week now Last week, I recommended a a book that you could go and buy. So if you just go on Amazon, I think it's on there. Um, But I have been informed by the powers that be that if if I do, if I can get access to any of the readings that I recommend in PDF format, format that I can actually email it to you. So each week I will let you know if the reading, the recommended reading is available in PDF if you would like me to send it to you, you will have to email me at info at withoutthefootnotes.org. Just send me a little email. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to put anything in it. Just in the subject line, just write PDF, please. And then I can just email you straight back with the PDF version of that recommended reading. So just some free content for you there. Um, I will try my best to choose readings that are available by PDF, but also I mean, this topic is so vast and there's been so much written about it that sometimes the readings that I recommend won't be able to be accessed for free. Um, But this week, so my recommended reading for this week is actually some testimony. Um, My preferred, I mean, the way that I got into um, being interested in the topic was actually through reading testimony. Um, And I actually ended up reading so much testimony that it kind of, prompted me to go to university because I had all this information about this one specific topic and I didn't know what to do with it so decided to go and study and I actually I just prefer testimony I think you get kind of closer to the essence of what happened and a more in-depth and personal and more human understanding of um of the Holocaust through testimony itself. Um, I will put a trigger warning on this book because it is not an easy read. It's actually the testimony of a man who survived Auschwitz and Dachau. And it's called This Way for the Gas, ladies and gentlemen, quite a provocative title. And you'll have to forgive me for the pronunciation. Um, It's by Tadusz Borowski. He's Ukrainian. And I'm just going to read you the blurb so you can see if you want to read it. Um, I'm not I'm not always going to give you um, difficult stuff to read, but I really do think this is an important um, memoir and testimony. So I'm just going to read you the blurb and then you can decide for yourself whether it's something that you'd be interested in. And it's also a book that, you know, you don't have to sit and read it in one go. You can dip in and out of it because it is a collection of stories so 
Published in Poland after World War II, this collection of concentration camp stories shows atrocious war crimes becoming an unremarkable part of a daily routine. Prisoners eat, work, sleep and fall in love a few yards from where other prisoners are systematically slaughtered. The will, to, the will to survive overrides compassion and the line between the normal and the abnormal wavers then vanishes. Borowski, a concentration, a concentration camp victim himself, understood what human beings will do to endure the unendurable. So, and then it finally says, together these stories constitute a masterpiece of world literature and stand as a cruel testimony to the level of inhumanity of which man is capable. Now, I'm not saying that you absolutely must read this book, but I do think it is, it provides a level of insight that maybe, maybe not many people would actually reach. And if, if you, if it's your thing and if you would like to, there's the book, email me. I'm pretty sure that I have it on PDF. It's info at withoutthefootnotes.org. And if I don't have it, I'll just let you know straight away. And then you can either go to your local library or you can buy it. Or maybe you can try and find it online, a PDF version that I couldn't find. Um, but yeah, so so that's my reading. That's my recommendation for this week. So I think we've pretty much come to the end of the second episode. Um, oh, just a little, another little fact for you. So International Holocaust Remembrance Day is actually on the 27th of January each year and that marks the liberation of Auschwitz-Birkenau um so just for anybody who'd like to remember that and yeah I think that's everything um I think now I will go and have a glass of red wine and just wind down for the evening so I will see you next time bleibgesund stay healthy ciao And of course, I forgot to say, please follow us or follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Without the Footnotes. And if you could please subscribe, rate and review, that would be really helpful for me to reach a wider audience. Okay, now I'm actually gone. <laughs>